come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie and welcome to no 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 why do I always do it Bon Beanie and thank you for joining us for another episode of Fantastic Cruising. She is Kimbra and he is Matt and we're kind of that we stole that from the Down Under Cruise. Oh, did, I feel yeah. like I think I think it was it was Except not intentional. They say things together. That's true. We don't. We are not that coordinated. No. Speaking of the Down Under Cruisers, though, before we go any further in this podcast, if you didn't catch us last week in the audio format. Because there was, it didn't happen, but there was technically a podcast that was only on YouTube. And the reason is it was a different type of thing than our normal one. It was for the Helping Hands for Cruising uh, charity, which we are a, a big part of, and we hope that people will help support it. And so if, if you can uh, look up that charity, Helping Hands for Cruising, if anybody in the chat can throw up the the PayPal link, even though we're not doing the 24 hour, well, it's more than 24 hour, the weekend telethon, cruise-a-thon, uh, it's still never a bad idea to kind of push people to donate a few bucks, help somebody go on a cruise that wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity. Also, we had a lot of technical difficulties last week because we were literally in the middle of Missouri and we had no internet. We Well, we didn't. That's not true. We had internet. It just wasn't very fast. Now, there were some very kind folks that let us go to their house that had better internet than my mom. That's where we were staying. And that was enough for us to do our live stream. And we were very appreciative that they let us do that. But it wasn't enough for StreamYard because StreamYard is apparently a big bandwidth hog. And so we weren't able to show you our fun Valentine's Day video. Some of those of you have already seen it is on YouTube, but I thought since it's still the week of, of love, oh, that we should just share this, this video real quick. Okay. It's only like a minute, right? It's pretty quick. Yeah. So here we go. Bon Bini, Matt and Kimber here. And we want to wish everyone a very happy and romantic Valentine's Day. If you see teeth so thin and a long dorsal fin, that's amore. That's amore. With no scales on their skin and no pectoral fins, that's amore. That's amore. They have xenomorph jaws, constantly open maws, that's amore. Living mostly in caves and small creatures to their graves, that's amore. All right, that was fun. <laughs> Hopefully the audio, how was the audio on that? Was that good? If it wasn't, then just go to our YouTube channel and then you can find it and play it. You can blast it, drive your neighbors crazy. You know, put it on the car while you're driving down the road. Doom, 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 doom. But play that. Do you really think people want to listen to us that I mean, loudly? I don't want to listen to most of the music I hear people blasting. Well, that's so. true. 
fair is fair, right? I guess. <laughs> and Sean did put that helping hands for cruising link in the uh, chat. It's also uh, easy to find if you go to our last podcast. I don't know if it's in our show notes every week. We should probably put it there. Yeah, I was going to do it, but I was I had to like go find it and I didn't do that. So, but, but yeah, check out Helping Hands for Cruising. Search for it on Facebook, and uh, and it's a great organization to support. So anyway, anywho, anywho, um, so um, yeah, what else do we have? Anything else we want to talk about? Yeah, let's talk about um, this thing here, the Fantastic Group Cruise. Oh, indeed, indeed. Yes. Let's talk about that. Let's because talk about it. We have had a lot of attention coming to us from several people who are interested in booking. Yes, it is. It is. It is possibly growing. Yeah. It's not just the fantastic group cruise, but we will be hosting a recipient. Well, we're hope, hopefully, hosting. hopefully, I don't, I don't know if that is as uh, fully, we, we a have, yet, but we're hopefully. We have accepted to host, <laughs> um, and a helping hands for cruising recipient. So once that person is chosen, Hopefully they'll be able to go on this cruise with us. It's a, it's it's what we're we're hoping to do. Yes, but let's talk about the the um, group cruise itself. So the group cruise is leaving out of Tampa on March twelfth, twenty twenty three, on the Carnival Pride, and it's going to Grand Cayman, Roatan, Belize, and Cozumel. That's right, and those are four ports that we are very in favor of. And also, it's leaving out of our home city of Tampa, which is right behind the aquarium where we work Monday through Friday. So uh, it's that's why we chose it. And so we're hoping that people will come on the group cruise and maybe we'll even get to spend a little time before and or after said group cruise and do some local fun stuff. Yes. And if you are interested in joining us on this group cruise, please send us an email at fantastictravel at gmail.com. Uh, we have had some people contact us in many other ways, but the best way is fantastic travel. I like to keep things all in one place so I don't get confused about who's talked to me when and where. So fantastic travel at gmail.com if you are interested in going on this group cruise with us. Yes. Yes. So um, so uh, now Aaron is asking, Forgive me for asking this. I've never been on a group cruise. What does one expect out of a group cruise? So uh, we should do a whole episode on that maybe at some point. But group cruise can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It just depends on the type of group cruise you're you're going on. Sometimes it's just a group that uh, a travel agent will get a group of people together and put them all on the same quote unquote group because the more people in that group you start to get, you start to earn perks from the cruise lines. For example, on ours, uh, we're hoping to earn things like uh, a free like drink party and maybe onboard some credit. onboard credit. But that depends on how many cabins we book. Now, that's the kind of just technical definition of a group cruise that we're hoping to get those benefits. But really, the reason that we're doing a group cruise is more of the common cruising community style group cruise. And that is that we are hoping to get people who enjoy the Fantastic Cruising Podcast and all of the people that are always a part of it um, to come on board with us and have a really fun cruising experience. So what can you expect? You can expect to spend time with Kimbra and myself and a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool stuff. And of course, 
on our group cruise, it's going to be us. So you know there's going to be some things like at the ports, what we'll do is we will have certain activities that we'll say, this is what Matt and Kimber are doing. And of course, you don't have to do any of those things. You can, you get your cruise, you can do whatever you want. But if you want to do those things with us, we certainly welcome you and invite you to do this. And because it's us, there'll be some underwater stuff, at, at least some of the ports. Probably some not creature all of stuff. Because not everybody going on the group cruise is going to be able to do the water stuff. And we want to include everybody as much as possible. But you know there's going to be some creature stuff. There is also talk of a uh, Dungeons & Dragons game breaking out on this group cruise because we are uh, we are nerds and we enjoy the rolling of the 20-sided die. And we know we have some people like Meg going on there who is down with that. So... You know, who knows what to expect, but mostly it's just a way to cruise with a lot of fun people and make new friends that will probably be friends or for meet life. friends that we've only talked to. Yes. Yes. Online. That's right. I should In finish person. that sentence. <laughs> what's the, what's the Gonzo line from the Muppet movie? Um, there's not a word yet for old friends that just met. Oh Yeah. There you go. That's what the group cruise is all about. And and we'll probably have some fun little things going on. Uh, we'll have some little bit of swag and stuff like that. But really, the point of it is for you and us to be able to spend time together, hang out, get to know each other, and have some fantastic fun. So I have to share this comment just because um, this person's not booked yet. Stacy says, well, who doesn't enjoy the Fantastic Cruising Podcast? Everybody should go on the group cruise. You're right, Stacy. Go ahead and book with us. Fantastictravel at gmail.com. We'd like you and Gina to join us. We would very much like that. We got to meet them, and they are great, great people. You know, it's really cool to, to meet all these people. Uh, we have had the, the pleasure of meeting a lot of people in person. Being here in Florida is a big advantage for us in that respect. And we've even run into some people on cruises, like the Aaron's, Aaron and Aaron. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't on the same ship, so we only saw them for like 10 seconds. But uh, but still, that that's, you know, that's kind of cool. And we really, really enjoy meeting you guys. So I love uh, when people come running up to us and like, hey, I know you. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> That's happened. That happened. Where were we with your mom? One of the ports with your mom. Remember that we were walking through the shopping area and the one, I don't remember her name. Sorry. Well, it's, it's because you can all see us, but we can't always right. see all of you. Some was, of you, we know what it, you, it we know just, what some of you look like. In fact, you know, like, I don't know if Tony Dials is still in there, but we had to put restraining order on him because no. <laughs> yeah. just kidding we but love it's, Tony it's Dials. just so funny because they you know people come running up and it's only happened a couple times but I've enjoyed it um come running up to us hey I know who you are and I'm like I should I know you and then you know I listen to you I'm like oh that's why I don't recognize you but we do enjoy meeting you trust me we enjoy meeting you yes. as much as you enjoy meeting us, sometimes we probably enjoy it more than you enjoy meeting us. So, uh, Aaron said, hopefully they don't just all scream at you like <laughs> I did. I I love that you you did that, and then this other person did that. Um, Meg said she's going to do that. Please do. Made, made her feel like a rock star. I you know? I, I, movie I love star, it. Rock star. Because it's so funny. Because <laughs> I I'm just me doing me life, and 
then there's people from all over the place that I forget about, listen and watch me because, you know, I'm just me. And it's really cool because then they're like, ah, and I'm like, hey. It's it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> We're YouTube famous, I guess. It's I weird. Know, not really. But all right. Anyway. Um, so, okay. So, so there, there's that, that's the group cruise. Please join us if you can. And, uh, and, and if not, if you're in Florida, specifically Tampa area, maybe even if you're going to be in the Orlando region, we're pretty close to that. We're going there tomorrow. We're going to go to universal studios tomorrow because we can just go on our day off and just go. We got passes, but we, you know, if we're not doing anything, Hey, we'll come out and have a, have a coffee with you, have a beer with you, whatever, you know, whatever you're into whatever if you're gonna go to universal studios let us know because we go there a lot we have passes so i haven't been there in a while i know i'm kind of jonesing they I, got yeah. the, they got the hot butter beer right now yes Are they better they better it's gonna be a brisk 70 degrees tomorrow i think it's gonna high. be nice tomorrow i think it will be yeah i mean that's maybe look, i'll wear my robes i have to say this okay uh after spending the last like week and a half in the great north which is the Midwest really. And it's cold up there. Okay. It's cold. We got into Indianapolis. It was, it was three. We left 73. We got off the plane and it was just three. I was like, where's the second number? Now I, we're both from the Midwest. So at some point in time, that was normal for us, but no longer. I've been in Florida for like over 20 years now. Personally, you've been in Florida for what, five, six years? Uh, Something like that? Almost six. Almost six. So, uh, you know, no, almost seven. Almost seven. So you start to kind of forget what the cold is. But here's my here's my little soapbox. Okay. Cause here's the most people that we know, because in the cruising community, a lot of people are like, I want to move to Florida, like the Aaron's. They're like moving to Florida. They're like, we want to move. So many people. I know the Lovelaces, whose koozie we're using right now, they're like, we want to move to Florida. So, uh, yeah, because it's it's great down here. But you get those people, right? You get those people, and they're like, "I don't want to. I don't want to move to Florida. It's too hot and it's too humid." Well, okay. First of all, uh, it's hotter in the summer in Missouri, and I guess you said in in mm -hmm. Indy than it gets in Florida. So, you know, I know that's only for a couple months or so, but it gets hotter, and it is way more humid in St. Louis than it is down here. Like I never walk outside and feel like I can cut the air open with a butter knife in Florida. And if it does feel like that, it's going to rain in a second and it'll go away. So it'll sea breeze comes in, but, but here's the thing, forget all that, forget all that, because I will take that harsh humidity any day of the week over the dryness of the Midwest. Oh, right horrible. Now. Like, I'm still trying to get moisture back into my body from, I feel like, I feel like the mummy. After that I, trip. I woke up every morning like stuffy and dry. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. But it's like, what was it, a week and a half, approximately a little less. But because my nose was like kind of constantly running, I now have a lovely sore here on my nose. Yeah. It was like, and every now, day. like, I got, I've got boo boos from visiting my family. <laughs> Are you laughing because I said boo-boos? I am laughing because you said boo-boos, yes. So anyway, that's just my soapbox, okay? I, you know, 
I get it. People want to see leaves change colors, whatever. I'd rather see coral reefs. Just saying, but but that's just me, uh, just my opinion, and uh, and it's right. But anyway, um, that's not our topic for the night, though. No, it's not. Our topic for the night is how do you choose an excursion? How do you choose an excursion? And uh, and so I I made some notes here because there are a lot of things to to talk about with this. How do you uh, choose an excursion? And uh, look, this is going to be, first of all, let me just say, if this is going to be variable depending on a lot of variables, that's probably not the best way to say that. But, but for example, depends on things like obviously where you're cruising, but also who you're cruising with when you're doing it, stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to just go through some things I would think about whenever I'm thinking about booking an excursion, some of the stuff that I try and consider when I'm going to do that. Okay. Now I kind of made this list on my own today. I don't know if you even had a chance to look I, at I it. I did read it and okay. I think that those are all valid. That's, that's good. That's good. So, um, so first thing that I think about when I am looking at excursions is who am I cruising with? So we know we mentioned group cruises. If I'm on a group cruise or if I'm cruising with just Kimbra, or am I cruising with Kimbra and my mom? Am I cruising with um, some other friends and, you know, like a small group? All these things matter because you don't have to do the same things at the ports. That's one of the beauties of cruising. Um, you can go do your thing. I can go do my thing. We can meet up at dinner and still enjoy a vacation and that's okay. But Sometimes maybe I want to do stuff with the other people on the cruise, or I know they want to do stuff with me. And so I'm going to think about that when I'm looking at excursions. So think about the people you're with. What not only is it what you want to do, what do they want to do? And what do you guys want to do that's the same? And you can kind of use that to start prioritizing because normally a cruise you're going to have somewhere between two and four ports. That's probably the average, two to four ports. I mean, you could get five, you could get one, but probably two to four is, is what most cruises are going to have, If uh, like a normal type of, of cruise length. So um, so what, what do you guys, what do you want to do? What did they want to do? And figure out, do you want to do it together? Do you want to do something together at every port. Do you want to say, well, I know I want to do this, this, and I know you want to do this. And those are different things. So um, where can you do your thing? And I can do my thing maybe at the same place. So we can both hit those little check marks. Or, or even if there's something where it's sort of this and sort of this that you could do together. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to find that kind of stuff. So figure out, do you want to stay together? Do you not want to stay together? those sorts of, of things. Now, what you're talking about is you could go some places where you have multiple options. So for example, um, let's say that we want to go to, let's, let's say that we're in, we're in Cozumel. Okay. And, and I want to be underwater because that's mostly where I want to be all the time. I want to be underwater looking at things that have gills and maybe I'm with somebody, maybe I'm with a group and they're like, you know what? we live in the Midwest where it's very dry and cold. We want to be on the beach drinking boat drinks and like getting a tan. So I say, okay, well, let's see what we can do about that. 
Uh, we could go someplace like Chonkanob in Cozumel, and that has a beautiful beach. You can do all-inclusive. You can get your drinks. You can get your food. Um, but it's also got a wonderful coral reef that you can snorkel in. So both both parties are able to do what they want at the same location. So there, there are often cases where you're technically doing the same excursion, but you have a lot of variability in what you can do on that excursion. There's, there's also excursions that are like, like land and sea things. So it's like, there's like a tour, but then there's a spot where you can get in the water too. Right. So you can experience some of the culture or area, but then maybe you get an opportunity to swim in a portion of water too. And that's another good point. If it's your first time going to a port, uh, it might be best for you, unless you're like, I'm never going to come back here. This is my only cruise. It might suit you well to do a more generic tour type of excursion. And that way you kind of get a feel for it, you know, and then you, and then the next time you go, you're like, Oh, well, you, the first time you got like the taster sampler, right? And then, and now you go, well, I really, I really liked option two and three. So you're going to hone in on that. And you're going to find that perfect excursion. I actually did that in Grand Cayman. Well, tell us yeah. about that. My, my first time in Grand Cayman, we did, it was like a tour where we had, you know, four or five different stops. Um, one of, I, I don't know, like we went to hell, we stopped at seven mile beach um we went to the turtle farm we did the stingray city thing i feel like we stopped somewhere else but the guy like just kind of drove around and toured and stuff um and then the next time we went we really liked the stingray city so we actually booked an excursion just to do stingray city so instead of like splitting all of our excursion time across four or five things we did the one thing that we really liked so you got like the chocolate excursion sampler yeah and you tried them all you found the ones you liked, and then you went back and you bought a whole box. And of then those. the next time I went, I went to Seven Mile Beach. There you go. And that didn't turn out great for you. but It didn't turn out bad. <laughs> it just wasn't planned out properly. Okay. All right. That's all right. So um, also realize this. I can't, Kimber can't say, uh, you don't, if you send us an email or something, you're like, Matt and Kimbra, I'm going to Grand Cayman. What should I do? I don't know what you should do because you are you and I am me and we're not the same person. We don't have the same interest and in, in physical limitations or abilities or any of that. So uh, what's right for me might be terrible for you and, and vice versa. So you, cruises, when you're going on excursions, they are subjective. And that is why it's important to know what your cruise mates want to do and understand it up front and be okay with you know, sometimes I hear stories where people are upset because their friends aren't doing anything they want to do. And you got to get, you got to communicate. You got to talk. This is not, this isn't just about cruising and excursion. This is just in life. You got to communicate people. And, and then, you know, things are much better. That's that why we're so well together. That's why we're so well together. That's I don't exactly know if well is the right word. Good. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter because we can still understand the words. It doesn't matter if we're using the right vocabulary. Because we communicate Precisely. wrongly together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Have you seen that before? Anyway, um, yeah. So an, here's another thing, though. You're on a cruise, okay? For some of you, it's maybe a one-time-in-a-life experience, but for people that are probably watching this, it's probably not. They probably are going to cruise multiple times. And so be 
be a little adventurous, explore a little bit. You're on a cruise, you know, you're going to have this prepackaged vacation where you're going to most likely have a lot of fun and a lot of limited amounts of stress, a little, a limited, not a lot of limited amount, a limited amount of stress. So live on the edge, you know, do something different, find something that you didn't think you'd ever do and try it out. And, and, you know, whether it be a, a food thing or just some kind of weird excursion thing, you know, maybe you're like, I don't really care about Mayan history, but you know what? Go to the ruins one time and come back and then decide if that's really how you feel. Be adventurous. That's what I'm saying. A cruise is a place to be adventurous. It's where you can take those risks and, uh, and, and really you may find something that you had no idea you would be passionate about. You know, speaking of that, when we did the monkey thing in La Romana, it was the monkey thing, which of course is why we booked it. But then we stopped at that plantation thing for like the coffee and cocoa. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good example. Yeah. That was, it was something that was part of the excursion. So I was like, fine. That was actually one of, one of my most memorable, like I loved that portion yeah. of that excursion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just the... It's not why you would have booked it. It's not why if I booked it, it. You wouldn't have booked that specific thing. But and I, yet, would, I would do that specific thing again now. And that's the other thing I would say is don't forget that when you're on a cruise in the Caribbean, and in some cases other places too, that you are visiting other cultures, other countries, and you may not really see a whole lot of that while you're in a, a cruise port because it's very commercialized, you may see a little bit, uh, but even on your ship, a lot of the people that work on the ship are not Americans. Um, they're from other countries, other cultures and embrace that, enjoy that, understand that and really make the most of that because that is a really cool thing. It's sometimes when you're confronted with a culture that's different than your own. Sometimes we are a little bit apprehensive. We're a little bit intimidated. Try and get past that because this world's a big place and we're just one little country on a continent and there's a lot more out there to understand and, and, and enjoy. And that's a good way to do it. It's on a cruise. So check that out. Now, the next one I have is don't underestimate activities. So when you go to book a cruise, make sure you're not getting yourself in over your head, okay? Because most cruises are going to cater to the average human being, and so you're probably going to be fine. But know your physical limitations, because there are some excursions where you're going to have a lot more exertion or there's going to be more needed to do that. Most of the time, that's not really an issue. But a good example is when I did the whale shark swim. Um, that whale shark swim was a wonderful experience. It was also like swimming a triathlon or something. Is that, that doesn't even make sense. It was like, it was hard work because you had to get, you got pushed off of a moving boat in choppy water and you had to boom, 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 swim, kick, 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 kick. I mean, my buddy Charlie and I, we got out of the water and at the time I was in my forties, he's in his fifties. And we're like, oh, we're going to go again. We can go again. But there were like 20 somethings on there that were like, I'm done. 
I'm good. I'm good. And it's not because they were more, they were more fit than us. It's not because we were more fit than them. It's because we, we just wanted to experience it that bad, but there are people that would not have been able to do that. So kind of get a feel for that. Make sure you're not getting yourself in over your head where you're not going to be able to do the activity. Sometimes it's a lot of walking, walking uphill. Uh, just know what you're getting yourself into beforehand. All right. And then let's see, look at the big picture. What are all the ports on your cruise? So let's say that you know you want to do certain things. So for me, it's going to be underwater stuff, animal stuff, but I like cultural stuff too. Uh, so I'm going to look at all my all my ports and I'm going to say, where's the best port to scuba dive? Where's the best port to explore the city on foot? Where's the best port to just hang out in the port? Where's the best port to just go to the beach? You want to make sure you kind of get that big picture. Because if you just look at excursions at different ports, you might go to do the snorkeling experience or the scuba diving experience at a port that probably isn't the optimal one for it. And then you get to the like Bonaire or something. And now you're like, well, I already did my scuba diving. So now we're going to do the beach. Well, you should have done the beach at the other place and scuba dived at uh, Bonaire. So look at all your ports together when you're planning your excursions out and please do plan your excursions out. I mean, sometimes it's fun to live by the seat of your pants and just explore. That's, that's another thing you can do, but on the whole plan your excursions out and think about that. Think about all the ports you're going to and prioritize what makes the most sense at what ports. We definitely did that on our Mardi Gras cruise. Absolutely, we did. Yeah, because we went to Puerto Rico, Nassau, and Amber Cove. And we did three completely different things at each of those ports. Right, right. And and we tr and we and and that's what we did. What was, what we did. As far as I'm concerned, we did what was appropriate for those ports. Right, right. Yeah, if you're, if you're in Puerto Rico. For us. You can, there's a lot of excursions you could do, but Puerto Rico is a great place to just really just, in, just dive into the culture and walk around old San Juan. Like that's a wonderful place to do that. If you're going to La Romana in Dominican Republic, that's not a good place to you do mean that. Amber Cove? No, I mean La Romana. Oh, okay. You, Amber Cove too. That's where we went. But well, well, we went to both. Did we go to La Romana? Not on Mardi Gras. No, but but we've been to La Romana. Yes, we yeah. went there with your mom. And there's and so you've got to do excursions, or there's I mean that port sucks. So Amber Cove at least is a nice port. Like you've got a swimming pool and shops and stuff. La Romana, it's getting better, but it's not a great port. So you might as well just stay on the ship if you're not doing excursions. So if that's one of your ports, that's a port where you want to go. I need to do an excursion here so I can get a good fun experience or this is the port where I'm going to stay on the ship. Don't make that the port where you're going to get off and hang out at the port because you're going to be disappointed. But we, you could do the monkeys, you could do scuba diving. There is stuff to do, but that's what I'm saying. Prioritize the right stuff for the right ports. And not only that, but think about, um, think about your total overall budget that you have. So whenever I go on a cruise, I go, okay, I'm kind of thinking I'm going to spend X amount of dollars on excursions. And then I can say, well, let's say I want to do the whale sharks in Cozumel, which is really in Cancun. That's a really expensive excursion. I think it was over $300 per person. Okay. That's fine. If at the other ports I'm doing cheap excursions or no excursions, but I may not be able to afford to do that if I want to do these other things. So 
figure out your budget and kind of work with that as well. So that's why you want to kind of, again, get that well, overall picture. Plan and book them a ahead of time. Because well, yeah. If they're paid in advance, then like maybe you've booked them four months in advance and paid for them already. Like if you can do that, yeah. Well, yeah, if if it's available and if you are able to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or and or just or if you're if you're not, like like our friend Tony is in that situation now where they're not releasing the ports and he's getting within, you know, a few months or so of his cruise, and that's just the times we're living in, they'll open it up, but they haven't yet. So what do you do then? Well, you just you just save that money and you say, this is my excursion money. So when they do open it up, you're ready to go and you don't have to like come up with it last minute. So, yeah. so pre-plan on that. And keep in mind that you might be able to get a very similar experience at different ports for very different price points. Or it might take a lot less time to get to one than at another one. So, you know, like for example... If we're going on our group cruise and we're like, okay, we want to definitely, let's say we want to do scuba dive at one port. Well, I'm going to say Grand Cayman. Why? Because you can literally walk to the dive shop. You can, you can scuba dive on your own or with a guide for an insanely cheap amount of money, cheaper than it would cost us to go on a guy on a dive in Florida, which is ridiculous. And if we didn't do that, if we just instead said, well, let's scuba dive in Cozumel, we're going to spend probably three times as much money to scuba dive in Cozumel. Now, you could also spend that in Grand Cayman, depending on what you but you don't need to. Uh, so, obviously, Grand Cayman is the port to scuba dive in. It's cheaper. It's great. It's convenient. It's everything. Like, I could go on a boat and do two-tank dive or theoretically if i'm a grand cayman for six hours i could do three or maybe even four dives for probably less than it would cost me to do a two tank dive and snorkeling and snorkel or i could snorkel and dive so you know these are the kind of things to to think about again this is all in planning and and looking at it now here's another little point for this um let's say that you're like well i don't i don't even know where to start with this this is if you're not comfortable with that this is another good reason to get a travel agent travel advisor whatever you want to call them because your travel especially if it's somebody that specializes in cruising they're going to be familiar with a lot of that stuff and they're going to help to guide you with that so fantastic travel at gmail.com and really to but to be honest with you um one thing you can do is do some research and, and research can be through a travel advisor, but it doesn't have to be. You can still book on your own. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to do research. A great way to do that is to be a part of a cruising community like the Fantastic Cruising Community on Facebook. But there are so many other cruising communities out there. Uh, or just, you know, go into the chat while we're doing our live on YouTube and talk to the people. Because these are all people many of them have cruised a lot and they have very different experiences and you're going to find somebody that's going to be able to answer your questions and they're going to answer you directly. And uh, it's still the internet. So you might get some stupid smart aleck answer, but most likely you're not, especially if you're in a smaller community, like the fantastic cruising community, people are generally cool to each other. And if they're not, we boot their butts out. So uh, it's, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get quality, uh, over quantity. And that's good because if you go to like 
a cruise site and look at reviews, just be careful because most people leave reviews when they have something negative to say. That's just human nature. And so if you look at a, a cruise excursion, you may not get an accurate representation of that by just looking at reviews. I've, or, and just, and if you're not sure, read like 10 reviews. And if you get like five that say it's wonderful and five that say it's horrible, then you know something weird is going on there. Either these people are really negative or these people are really positive or somewhere in between, or maybe they had very different experiences based on the time of year that they went or based on the, just the mood that the person was in or the mood that the person writing the review is in. So it's harder to read those accurately than it is to actually communicate with somebody. You're much more likely to get valuable information in a cruising community environment. Or, you know, if you're interested in underwater stuff, especially, you don't have to book a cruise you, through us. You can just shoot us an email, fantasticcruising at gmail.com, and we will probably talk about it on the podcast or we'll, if you don't want us to do that, we'll probably answer you in the email. So we love to talk about cruising. That's why we have a podcast. And that's another good way to, uh, to get answers. If we don't have answers, we'll be able to probably point you in the direction where you can find those answers or get you in touch with somebody that can give you those answers. So that's always a, a good option for you. Now, um, another thing I mentioned was how much time are are you going to take to get to your excursion? So if you're going to go do the whale sharks in Cozumel, that's all you're doing in Cozumel because it's going to take your entire time in port on a late stay to do that and accomplish it. If you're going to the Mayan ruins and Belize, Cozumel, uh, uh, where were we at? <laughs> Roatan or Costa Maya, uh, it's going to take hours to get there. Depending on which ruins you go to, it might take a little less or a little more. But if you were like, man, I really wanted to do these two or three things while I'm in port, you might not be able to do that depending on what you choose. So research, well, research. I also want to say be flexible. Hmm. Um, for example, the second time that I went to Grand Cayman, we decided, well, my friend and I have done multiple cruises together. My first three cruises were with my friend, Courtney. Um, and the first time we were at Grand Cayman, we did that tour with multiple things. And the next time we went back, we were like, we really love the Stingray thing and Seven Mile Beach. So we actually chose the Stingray City excursion, knowing that it was shorter and that we could still go to Seven Mile Beach. However, the day that we went to Grand Cayman, there were really strong winds and choppy waters. So we actually had to port somewhere different. Mm. So, and it is still a, a tender port, but it was further away. So we did not have time to go to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, you got to be able to, to uh, go with the flow as they say, you know, another thing you can do though, if you know, you're going to go to San Juan grand Cayman um, I imagine you can do this with the Android phones, but I know you can do it with the iOS phones. I'm sure you can do it with the Androids too. You can download maps. So even if you don't have cell service, you can download maps of areas so that if something like that happens, you can still kind of see where you're at without having to worry about like a roaming charge. Another good research 
option is to look at YouTube videos of excursions. Because even if the people are idiots, <laughs> and there are some idiotic people out there making YouTube reviews, there are some really, there are mostly really good ones. I don't mean that in the wrong way, but I've seen some morons like the people that we saw that did the Junkanoo Beach. That wanted to touch all the things. That were like getting stung by everything because they're idiots. But, uh, but YouTube videos are a great way to assess uh, an excursion. If you can find a YouTube video of an excursion, um, you might be able to get a real good understanding of what that excursion is like. And hopefully you can find, you know, multiple ones as well. So, so yeah. Um, now the big question that a lot of people have when it comes to booking excursions is should I book through the cruise line or should I book through like a, an independent excursion company? And now I'm going to add a third category on there because I don't think people always separate this, but I think that you should. So you can book through the cruise line. You can book through a, a, a third party. I guess we'll call it a third. I don't know if that's accurate, but another company. Or you can just get to the port and try and figure it out when you get there. That's kind of option three. Okay. Now this is assuming you're not just kind of exploring, but you actually want to do something specific, but you're going to wait till you get there and then just kind of see what happens. All right. So, so which one should you do? It depends on what you're comfortable with. It does. And, and so it's probably going to vary depending on the situation. Now, some people are like, I never booked through the cruise line because it's always more expensive and they're more crowded and I hate it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, some people are like, I will never not book through the cruise line because I know if I book through the cruise line that they will always get me back to the ship and I will never get left at a port. Okay, that's fine. Uh, some people are like, I don't, I just want to do it when I get there. I don't like to think ahead. That's probably not fine. But if that's you, then live your life. Here's what I will say. Here's what I do. If it's my first time to a port, I am probably going to book through the cruise line. Most of the time I'm going to book through the cruise line my first time to a port, unless it's a port that I feel really comfortable with, even though I haven't been there before, because I don't know what to expect. And I would rather pay a little bit extra money for that security of knowing that I'm getting uh, I'm getting a good experience and I'm getting a safe, secure experience as far as getting back to the ship and, and all that sort of thing. Okay, so that's that's what I do. The other time that I will book through the cruise line is if I'm doing something that's going to take me a long time to get someplace. If I'm going to swim with whale sharks, if I'm going to visit a Mayan ruin, uh, I am not going third party for that. No, no way. Uh-uh. Because you're just cutting it too close. You are driving two, three hours away from the cruise port. Something goes wrong. Your vehicle breaks down. I don't know for sure that I'm getting back to the cruise ship. I'm not going to risk it. There are definitely third-party companies um, that claim and probably do guarantee you that they'll get you back to the ship. They're in communication with the ship or they'll get you to the next port. That's probably true, but I don't care. I'm not taking the chance. It's worth it for me to spend an extra bit of money for that security. Now, once I've been to a port or if it's an excursion that is not super far away, 
I'm not probably going to book through the cruise line unless the cruise line offers a really cool excursion. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. So like, for example, ocean world in uh, Amber Cove, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. It was great. It was wonderful. Could I have gone to ocean world on my own in a cab? Probably. Um, would I have saved a few bucks for the package? I don't really know. Cause ocean world works with the cruise lines. I doubt it. I would have saved money. Maybe I would have. It would have been a lot of extra hassle and headache instead of just you get off the bus, they put an armband on you, you're good to go. Not worth it. Not worth it. So I'm going through the cruise line. Now, if I'm going to uh, someplace that I'm comfortable with and like, for example, I'm going to Grand Cayman, I want to do the Stingray thing. Well, there are some good companies that will take you to Stingray Island or what's it called? Stingray, Stingray City. Stingray City. And you will get a better price. You will get a smaller boat. And it is not so far away that you need to worry about getting back to the ship on time. I'm absolutely going to do it that way. So it really depends on the situation. Now, if I'm real comfortable in a port like Cozumel or Grand Cayman, then when we go to when we went to Cozumel, we rolled up, walked up to the cabs, take us to take us to Chonkanab, go to Chonkanab, pay my price. I think we might have gotten coupons by buying on like directly going to the website. I've done that before. Yeah, we, we did that. Yeah, and what was actually cool about that particular situation is we told the cab when we wanted to be picked up. Was that that place? Yeah. I think we told mm -hmm. them when we wanted to be picked up and then that same guy came back and got yeah. us. So situations like that, I am kind of just going and doing my own thing as it were. And Grand Cayman, I'm going to go scuba diving. I know where the dive shop's at. I'm going to walk there. I don't need a cab. I don't need nothing. So like when we did um, Aruba, Aruba is a good example. Been to Aruba twice. The first time did a cruise line excursion. It was amazing. Great time. Second time, we saw D&J from Paradij, went to this place, Renaissance Hotel, Flamingo Beach, Iguana Beach, looked awesome. We looked into it, watched their YouTube channels. I think we talked to them, and so we felt really comfortable with it. Um, we booked through their website, which was not easy because they have a weird way of doing business, but uh, it worked out really well. We had a great time. It was a good price, and it was a great experience. Couldn't have done that through the cruise line. So, um, so it really, you really have to do your research. And this is another reason why being part of a cruising community is going to be beneficial or having a travel agent is going to be beneficial. Just talking to people though are, is going to be a, a great thing. Stacy says, I book through the cruise line when I have lots of onboard credit. So right now is kind of a good example of that Yeah. because this is a time when we some of us ended up with a lot of onboard credit we, because the world's falling apart. We actually changed our excursion in Amber Cove to Ocean World because of yes. the onboard credit. Yes, and we got got it paid down. Yeah, yeah. it worked we, out very we were, well for us. We were planning to do Ocean World, but something different. And then for what, like forty extra dollars or something, it was worth. That was an awesome, awesome excursion. Yeah. So you know. Um, Right now, that could that could work out really. We also got a really good deal on Virgin Voyages because we ended up with all this extra um, money that we had because we I think right we, because we canceled our dive we canceled the dive and so we were able, so that's a little bit different situation. Yeah. But but right now is you there well actually always if you're booking through 
like a travel agent, you have a better chance of getting onboard credit. And then onboard credit is, I mean, sometimes it's not really free money, but um, it can help. So it can take, knock some of that price down on those excursions. And then, you know, but do your research. You know, I see somebody here posted the only place we booked off the ship is Nachi Kakom in Cozumel. We always get back on time. So that's a great example. Nachi Kakom in Cozumel. And what's the other one? Mr. Sanchez. Mr. Sanchez in Cozumel. Look, if you are part of the cruising community, you know those two places are really, really famous for cruisers. Like lots of people go there. The cruise port people, the taxis, they know about those places, like real safe, real secure. And by safe and secure, I mean that you're going to get there and get back. And you're not going to get ripped off or anything like that. So situations like that, it just, you know, it makes a lot of sense to, to do that. All right. All right. Anything else? Nope. Okay. So let's go into our cruise creature then. Okay. <laughs> you know Kimbra, i was going to say that and i forgot my whole shtick that that picking an excursion is a lot like choosing a hat you have to choose the right hat for the what you're planning to do right right so you know this is this is my hat for uh i look like a gnome more than jacku story you kind of do look like um, a gnome <laughs> But I feel like this is a more appropriate hat for talking about a cruise creature. So pick your excursions appropriately. The cruise creature for today is one that I can't believe we've never covered. Well, we haven't covered it yet because we were planning to do a, a, whole, a whole full episode. episode like we did with the sea turtles and sharks. And maybe we will still do that. Yeah. But I don't know if the interest is as big, although it, I, in my opinion, it should be as big on this species of animal. And by species, I don't mean species. I mean a whole group of animals and those animals are uh corals so i wanted to talk about coral because it is a really cool animal that you could see and i don't see my picture no because you didn't do I it's did. on my thing oh okay so um so coral first of all do you want me to start this uh no not yet okay so coral, first of all, it is an animal. And so coral reefs are a term that you're probably familiar with. A coral reef is just a bunch of coral animals living together. But it's not just the living coral. It's also generations of coral skeleton that is built up over time. Because one of the ways that corals reproduce is by cloning. And when they do that, they build literally on top of their ancestors. And so you, when you end up with this humongous coral head, which is what we call a big coral formation, that could be literally thousands and thousands of years old. But the only part of it that's alive is generally that outer layer of coral. Now, coral reefs are super important. They make up uh, a very small percentage of the ocean, but there is a much larger percentage that depends on the coral reef for survival. Oceans are a huge part of our planet, like what, 70 percent of the planet is covered in ocean. I think that's Something the statistic. Like that. And I want to say coral reefs are about uh, 1% of that. And I believe about 25% of the things that live in the ocean depend on coral reefs directly. So that's, that's big. And a lot of those things are not just the things that you and I like to look at, 
but things that a lot of people in the world depend on as a food source and as, as part of their economy. Coral reefs are important, but here's the problem. They are also extremely picky. So let's pull up. Yeah, let's pull up that. Uh, what is that? A PowerPoint? Thing? Yeah. I thought I put those pictures. I did put those pictures in there, but they're not. I don't not think you here. put the pictures in there. Okay. Do you want me to put the pictures? No, in go there? ahead. Pull up the PowerPoint there, and we can just we can just run with that. So, all right. So here we go. So here is here is uh, coral anatomy. So what we have here, what you're looking at is um, basically a bunch of little coral animals that we call polyps. Each one of those four that you can see on the screen are different coral animals. But you notice that they're all connected. They're all connected by, by a soft tissue layer. And so essentially what coral is most of the time are a bunch of little animals living together as one big animal. So which is kind of weird, but that's, that's how it works. So go ahead to the next slide there. So um, the basic structure of the coral is this polyp shape, and that's basically like a cylinder. And at the top of the cylinder is an opening, and that opening, we call it the mouth. But that's really just being polite because that's that is where the food goes in, but it's also where the food goes out. So you could choose to call it something else. The butt. The butt. Yes. The There you go. The butt. Uh, or you could say that they're potty mouths. I'm sorry. When this light hits, there's a piece of hair right there. Okay. <laughs> go to the next slide. Now, inside of the, the mouth butt is basically the stomach. These are not complicated species of animals, but is this is basically, so the food goes in. One of the ways that they get food is they, they will pull it into their mouth. It goes into their stomach and the animal digests it. Much like you and I would digest food, the difference is it doesn't go through a huge complicated digestive system. It just goes in, they get the nutrients from it, and then they just expel the waste out of the mouth butt. Yeah, like, like that. <laughs> like they've had too much tequila. All right, go on to the next slide. Now, around the, side, the outside of the mouth is a ring of tentacles. And these are tentacles, not arms, if you've watched us talk about cephalopods. Uh, these tentacles are the way that the coral actually captures its energy. And they do this in two different strategies. One is by catching little tiny pieces of food, which are usually things like plankton and, and small microscopic or near microscopic things, because coral generally is very, very, very small stuff. Okay, there are different, lots of different kinds, some so, are big, a bit bigger, but most of them would be about the size, uh, smaller than like a pea. Each well, I was going to say, so before you continue, this picture looks like anemones. It does, and there's a good reason for that. I know, that's why I brought it up. Why is, that a, why is there a good reason for that? Because they are related. They are. They are all in the phylum. You know what the phylum name is? What's it start with? The C but it's not pronounced with the C. Nidaria. There you go. Yeah. They are in the Nidaria group, which are going to be your sea anemones and your corals. And your, your jellyfish. Your jellyfish, your Portuguese man of war, your fire corals, which are called corals, but they're not corals. Yes. And there's a reason for that. Okay. Go into the next slide. I think, I think we're at the next slide. So in these tentacles are these little coiled barbs with a little harpoon. And these are called nematocyst cells. Jellyfish have them. Portuguese man-of-war have them. Fire corals got them. Just ask Klaikowski. 
uh, and corals got them. So what they do is they have a little trigger mechanism. And if something touches that trigger, it causes this little barbed harpoon to fire and attached to the other end is venom, not the Spider-Man guy, but actual toxins. And so it will stun, paralyze, kill, depending on the species of coral and what it's stinging that thing. And then they will take those tentacles, which these are mostly filled with water. So they can really expand out or pull themselves in and they can pull those tentacles in and pull that food into their mouth, into their stomach where they can digest it and then spit it out through their mouth butt, which is pretty cool. Right? Yeah. But you notice there's also another big word on the screen right now. It's one I, of my I love favorite. this word. It's a great word. You want to say it? Susan Sel- Zuz- I got so excited I screwed it up. <laughs> Susan Thelly. Susan Thelly in my belly. Susan Thelly. Some people pronounce it Zosan Thelly. And uh, there's a whole video with different, very prominent coral biologists saying it both ways. Just to prove, and some of them saying it, some of it's the same scientist. Which way do you say it? I, I say Zuzanthelly. I mean, that's how it's spelled. But I used to say Zozanthelly because that's how I always heard it pronounced. Well, isn't, um, like it's zoology, right? Zoology, zoology. Zoology. I mean, it's K is a key. Right. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's important is that we know what we're talking about. And these. Zoology would be Z-O-O, like zoology. This is that's true. Zoxanthellae, or is it zooxanthellae? No, it's not. It's not that. It's don't say that. <laughs> Please don't say that. It's it's zooxanthellae, zooxanthellae. I don't care. It's it's an algae. It's a great word. Algae is not actually a plant. It used to be considered in the plant kingdom. It's not anymore. Um, it's it's in a it's a protozoan which is a whole other kingdom of living things. You've got your fun guys, you've got your animals, you've got your plants, you've got a couple different bacteria. I love fun guys. Got, They're I know, so great to hang out with. Right. Right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> hey, here, here's my fun guy hat. There we go. It's my fun guy hat. Oh, now yeah. you're a fun guy. Now I'm a fun guy. So anyway, they are plant-like. There's a reason that scientists used to classify them as plants before we knew more about them. And we went, they're too different from plants. Let's separate them. I mean, they didn't change. We just learned more about them and said, eh, these two don't really go that close together. And so they have plant characteristics. So they're not always green, but they can be. But they do get their energy through photosynthesis, which is what plants do mm-hmm. right so that if you're not if you've forgotten your third grade science uh, photosynthesis is basically the way that plants get energy from the sun they have chloroplasts and it's it's a whole chemistry thing that we're not going to get into but uh, but basically the advantage of having zooxanthellae living on coral is that the coral is able to extract some of that energy from the zooxanthellae so they get some of their food from stinging little things and they get some of their food from having zooxanthellae. Now, why would the zooxanthellae want to live there? Because they get protection because they're living on tentacles with a bunch of stinging cells. A lot of things eat algae. So that gives them protection. So they have a very cool symbiotic relationship there, a commensalistic, I think that's the right term for it, where they both are, are gaining from that situation. Until they're not. Okay, so so 
coral, like I said, is very fragile and little things set it off. You know, it's one of those people. Littlest thing sets it off. If there's too much. So it's basically a Karen. It's a, well, I don't know if it complains, but, but yeah, if, <laughs> if the water's a little too murky, cause there's, you know, maybe there's too much, uh, phosphate going in from fertilizers and, and and we get an algae bloom and now the water's murky and then it can't photosynthesis can't happen it gets stressed out if the water gets a little too cold it gets stressed out if the water gets a little too warm it gets stressed out if somebody goes up and touches it too much it gets stressed out if the water ph how acidic it is is off a little bit it gets stressed out when the coral gets stressed out the zooxanthellae leaves. I don't know if they get evicted or if they leave on their own free wheel. I don't know who's getting stressed out first, but something changes. The zooxanthellae literally leaves the coral. Now, when that happens, most coral animals are clear. So they don't have any color. The color that you see is from the zooxanthellae. That's why corals are blues and greens and reds and orange. That's zooxanthellae almost every time. When the zooxanthellae goes away, it's clear. What's below it is that limestone calcium skeleton of theirs and their ancestors, which is white. And so when you see stressed out coral like that, it looks white and it's so crisp white that it looks like somebody dumped some bleach on it. And that is where you hear the term coral bleaching. That is stressed out coral. When coral gets bleached, it is a good probability it's going to die. It doesn't always mean it's going to die. The zooxanthellae could come back. They could make up. They could have great makeup sex. And no. That's not that's not true. I don't know why I went there. But anyway, they sometimes that can it can come back, but a lot of times it doesn't. And so because coral is so fragile, that is why we need to be so careful about protecting coral reefs. Because remember, 1% of the ocean, 25% of the species. Okay. Maybe you've heard terms like where do we get most of the oxygen on planet Earth? 10 years ago, everybody told me it was from rainforest. That's not it. Rainforests are important for that. Most of our oxygen that you and I breathe comes from, do you know? Coral. No. <laughs> comes from phytoplankton. Oh. Uh, phytoplankton is plant-like plankton, free in the ocean, doing the, doing the carbon dioxide oxygen thing. Okay? So... When you lose your coral reefs, it's going to take a hit. So it's not the whole system, but our oceans are really, really important. And a big part of that ocean is the coral reef. And so we have to be careful. Is there another slide? Them. I don't know. Let's find out. I don't think so. No. Okay. I want my stuff back. <laughs> so, uh, so that's our cruise creature. Now, look, uh, you and I, that like to cruise in the Caribbean or maybe in like Australia, places like that. Probably one of the reasons we like these places are because of the coral reefs or the animals and plants that they kind of are part of that whole environment ecosystem. And so we should be responsible stewards of that. 
And so there are things that you and I can do to help coral reefs. And one of the most important things you can do is to donate money to organizations that help with coral restoration. There's a lot of great science, a lot of wonderful breakthroughs that have happened in the last five, 10 years that have really changed the outlook for coral, but it's certainly still a, a very dire thing if you if you study coral. Uh, so helping organizations like that is, is a great thing that you can do. And there are a lot of them around the world, okay? But another thing you can do personally in your life is to try and um, limit your carbon footprint because uh, climate change is happening. And remember, just a little temperature fluctuation can freak coral out. Ask our Australian friends about the Great Barrier Reef and all their coral bleaching over there. This is probably attributable to climate change. It doesn't take much to screw up this whole ecosystem. Coral can't move like a fish can move. Oh, it's too cold here. I'm going to go here. It's too warm. I'm going to go here. Coral can't do that. Okay. They're, they can't do that. So we need to be careful about, about preserving our, our ecosystems in that way. But something more direct that you can do if you're in the Caribbean is try and limit the amount of sunscreen that you are wearing. If you're getting, especially if you're getting in the water, uh, they do make coral safe sunscreens, but, um, the ones that are probably really coral safe, they don't work very well and they're kind of gross to use, at least for people with body hair. Um, the ones, a lot of them that say they're coral safe, they may not be. There's no regulation on who can put coral safe on their sunscreen. Anybody can print that on any sunscreen bottle and there's no government entity or anybody there to go, uh, no, you don't meet the criteria. Anybody can say that. So a lot of it's probably not all that accurate. You mean reef safe? Reef safe. What did I say? Coral safe. Reef safe. I mean, it's the same yeah, thing, but yeah. it says reef safe yeah. on the stuff. So here's what I recommend, especially if you're going to be in the water around a coral reef, but really anytime you're in the Caribbean and near water that's going to go into the ocean, uh, Try and do as much as you can by using things like rash guards. It's also going to give you better sun protection anyway, and then limit the amount of sunscreen. Now, I don't not use sunscreen. I use sunscreen because I also don't want to burn, okay? so But I try and limit it. If everybody uses less, that's going to help. I actually feel really funny sometimes on the beach because everybody's, like, wearing their little bikinis and stuff. <laughs> and I have my long rash guard and my long, like, swim pants, and which is fine. But I'm like, <laughs> I am so clothed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that so that is is, is going to be helpful. And, um, you know, I, don't, I try not to preach too much about yeah. conservation on this YouTube channel or podcast. But I think in this case, it is very important. Oh, and We have a question. Okay. Um, does anything eat coral? Oh, yes. I, I know of at least one thing. Go go for it. Um, well, they don't probably eat the coral, but they eat the algae and stuff, and they get coral in their mouth when they're eating it. Well, okay. I guess they kind of eat the coral. They probably eat some of the coral. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. How do you get sand? Well, there's other ways you can get sand. Yeah, but that's... But that is one of the most beautiful sands you can get. Parrotfish. You're going to have to... I mean, Give you, are, you already explained everything. I didn't. I don't think I did. You said they eat the algae. Oh, 
You didn't they, say the best part. Oh, the sand <laughs> is parrotfish poop. Yes. Because well, they eat the coral. Yes. So, well, they, and they get some of that limestone skeleton yeah. and they just either, it just chips away or they digest it and poop it out. And so a lot of that beautiful, fine white sand that you see in the Caribbean, a good percentage of that went through the digestive tract of a parrotfish. Todd says coral makes his gums bleed. You should really <laughs> stop eating the coral, Todd. Definitely stop eating, eating the coral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan says, I can think of U.S. Coral Reef Task Force, National Coral Reef Institute, National Center for Coral Reef Research. There are a bunch. Um, coral Reef, what is it? The Coral Foundation, whew, Coral Conservation Foundation, I think, yeah. in Florida. Um Noah is a good resource for coral reef stuff. Um, any What's of the, the the Cuba one is that well, any of the major aquariums like yeah. the one we work for um, are going to be probably playing a role if they're if they're in the vicinity of coral. Uh, we do a lot of coral research at the Florida Aquarium, but um, there are a lot of other great institutions that that also contribute to that, and they work together. Unlike most government agencies that can't you know tie two shoes on the same torso coral scientists do a really good job of working together because they know that they have to um, one of the biggest problems with florida coral is that like the coral reefs in florida keys are decimated and there's there's two real big big problems with our florida keys coral one is that we lost a lot of our long spine sea urchins in the 80s from a virus and those long spine sea urchins what they do is they will eat algae off of rocks. And why does that matter to the coral? Well, coral reproduces in two ways. One way is they clone. And the other way is they put sperm and eggs into the water and you get little baby corals. They need some place to land and they need a clear, hard, rocky substrate to land on. If there's not things like all these sea urchins eating the algae, what we found out the hard way is that coral has a harder time finding a place to, to start to grow. So it doesn't successfully uh, grow. So that's a big problem. The other problem that the Florida Keys is having a huge issue with is coral diseases. There are several different diseases that just decimate coral. And the problem is uh, coral doesn't move around. And so you have a long reef track like the Florida Keys and you get a disease that wipes out a big chunk of it. It literally is killed like whole sections of coral. And now this coral that lives over here and this coral that lives over there, they are too far apart to reproduce with each other. And so you don't get any genetic diversity and they don't have any chances to evolve and survive the disease. One of the things that one of the ways that coral research is done or coral conservation is done is they will take bits of coral and you'll see this in the Caribbean that are broken off and they'll put them on either PVC pipes and they'll hang them or they'll put them on little bars and they'll, they can move them around to places and they can get that genetic diversity back. And then once they grow to a certain size, sometimes they'll even kind of re quote unquote plant them. They're not plants, but plant them to help, and I've seen that very successfully done in Curacao. Yep, we saw that there. It was really impressive was, in Curacao. Yeah. So it, there is still hope for coral, um, but you know it needs people that aren't as passionate about it as Kimber and I to care. And so hopefully 
um, this podcast can play a small role in helping to spread that message. So there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Should we wrap up? We're over an hour. Do you want to talk about the thing that happened today? We didn't mention that. Did I we? know we didn't. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh, Big oh, announcement. Big announcement. We should have said, hey, there's going to be a big announcement <laughs> um, for all the people that have already left. Yeah. No teasers because they're, guess what? Big announcement. We're going on a cruise. We're going on a cruise. And it's going to be in three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. It's not 100% guaranteed, but it's probably like 95%. It's, it's mostly happening. That it's going to happen. I'm waiting for an email to 100% confirm, but it's like 99.9% .9 confirmed. Yeah. It's a deal that we're getting um, to go on. It's, you want to tell them what it is and what, like where, where it is and what it is. Who, or like what, what it where, is. when um, it's on uh, Holland America, Holland America. The, so the Rotterdam, the new Rotterdam, because this is apparently the seventh ship that they've called the Rotterdam. This one came out in 2021. Yes, its first um, sailing was October 2021. It was supposed to be in May or something. Yeah, something April, like May, that. Somewhere in there. But, you know, the world's dying and crashing, so it didn't happen. But it's, it's been sailing out of Port Everglades, which is what we're sailing out of. And it is their, their biggest ship, their newest ship. It is, I guess, maybe they would consider it their flagship. Um, it is a it's a travel agent special, so it's only travel agents that are going to be on. Yeah, everything. I think it's a chartered cruise. I don't have a ton of information. It's not on even. It yet. In, yeah, it's not even in shipmate. It yeah, so I, I think it's chartered. I just don't have a lot of them. If Adam was on here, he could probably tell me. But um, yeah, so that's that's coming up. Um, it's like you said, three nights. Mm -hmm. It's going to Half Moon K, and yeah. then there's a sea day. So I'm excited. Because, Open bar. Well, yeah, that's part of the the deal. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I've never been on Holland America. I've never been to Half Moon Cay. And you've never sailed out of Port Everglades. And I've never sailed out of Port Everglades. So ding, ding, ding. I have been on a three-night cruise, though. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. But what a great experience. So we're we're overjoyed and super stoked that uh, that we're going to be able to do that. Yes, Stacy says the geriatric cruise line. So since she this gets lots is, of sleep. Since this is a travel agent-only cruise, um, it... I'm thinking it might be a little bit different than a normal. Probably will. But a normal I've been America. on a Holland America ship and it was, it was nice. It was, <clears throat> it was, <clears throat> pardon me. It was an older crowd and that was okay. Uh, we're not really nightclub people. That ship that I was on shut down at like 9 PM. <laughs> You've been talking too much. <clears throat> Apparently. Uh, but, uh, but you know what? It's a beautiful ship, and the other ship I was on of theirs was the New Amsterdam, I think was the one, and it was a beautiful ship. It was pretty new when I went on it, and just real classy looking, great food, uh, great entertainment. They have a lot of educational stuff on these ships, which I really like, as you might guess, so I'm really excited about it. I think yeah. it's going to be a great cruise. And, uh, and I'm excited to go to Half Moon K. We'll see if we can find a, a new octopus because I'm sure the one I saw is dead now because they only live like two years. Sorry, it's just the truth. But they have lots of babies. So this is probably like grandkids of that octopus that maybe we could find. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. And it's going to be fun. Yeah. So there you go. All right. <laughs>
Anything else? I think that's it. I think we can roll the credits. All right. Well, on that note, it's time to seize the day. And until next time. Well, you're not oh, going to head for the horizon? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot how to end the podcast. It's time to head for the Rotterdam? It's time to head for the horizon. And until next time, seize the day. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Stacy in there giving us trouble about it. He's just teasing though. <laughs> uh, so we're back and uh, I got my, I got my other beer. Now this is my probably, if it's not my favorite, I don't know if it's my favorite kind of beer, but it's definitely in my top three. I feel like you're shaking that around. An it's lot. fine. It's fine. Now it says organic. That is not why I don't care about things being organic, generally speaking, but um, it is Samuel Smith's organic chocolate stout. Now the reason I like this is because I love chocolate stouts. And this one is, is the most chocolatey of the chocolate stouts. It's a British beer, of course. And um, it's, got a, it's got a big bump. All right. <laughs> we got to show everyone what we told them about. Yes. If you were here in the beginning, we said, stay tuned. Well, before, if you're listening to the audio, you'll have to go to YouTube to see this. But we said, stay tuned because we have a video we're going to play with Reno the dog. So you ready for it? Let's roll it. Okay, Reno. Reno. We're gonna howl. We're gonna try your ears first. Woof. Well that kind of worked. All right, let's howl. No. That is not a howl. Yeah, we need the whole pack. There you go. He's a howler, that one. It's we we randomly do that with him sometimes. I, you know, it just occurred to me if you are just listening to the audio version of this, maybe you don't need to watch it. You just have to, to figure out which one was the dog and which one was <laughs> me and which one was Kimbra. <laughs> Meg said that her dog just howled. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the pack. <laughs> yeah, he's sleeping now. So there will be no more howling tonight. So <laughs> anyway, yeah.